I'm walking all alone down my yellow brick road and I stomp to the beat of my own drum. I got my pockets full of dreams and they're busting at the seams. Going Welcome to Stacked Keys Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Stackhouse. This is a podcast to feature women who are impressive in the work world or in raising a family or who have hobbies that make us all feel encouraged. Want to hear what makes these women passionate to get up in the morning or what maybe they wish they'd known a little bit earlier in their lives? Grab your keys and stomp to your own drum. I'm so excited today because I have Hannah Russell Wiedemeyerichs, and I think I got that last name right. Um, Yes, that is correct. Yay! (laughs) I've known Hannah for years. I knew her as a a Russell, and so now she is um, grown and out there in the world. So welcome, Hannah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Glad to be here wait to talk because you have when I say been out in the world you have and so I want to go down some of those roads but if somebody were to ask Hannah who you are today how would somebody describe you personally professionally who is Hannah today oh geez um you know I I tend to see myself as kind of just you know the the mom and uh pretty much really nothing more than that but uh i was actually pleasantly surprised when talking to some of my students and their parents and um with everything that's been going on and not being able to be back at school and how much you know they told me i was such a role model to to their daughter and uh because i was I was strong and yet sensitive and, you know, always trying to be understanding and sympathetic, but also at the same time, you know, push them to be better. And so I guess, I guess that, at least from what I've been told, (laughs) is how um, I've had some people tell me who, who I am is just so with kind of surprising sometimes we find out who we are from others more so than we can Mm -hmm. can see ourselves so you mentioned in that description teaching so tell me about your teaching experiences and not being in the classroom where are your students so I worked in Chengdu China for about four years my first year I was a substitute teacher Um, and eventually went from being a sub to a part-time English teacher slash librarian. Uh, and, uh, that was my first experience with teaching. Um, my second year, I then started teaching, um, the 10 year old age level, which I think is like fourth grade, I think, um, which was completely 
something different than I a ever planned on doing with my life ever. <laughs> um, <laughs> and just be something that I found out relatively quickly. I don't think I'm cut out to do specifically this. Um, but after that, I took over as the, uh, sports, um, kind of the athletic director, not an official title, but I was the athletic director and PE teacher for middle school and high school age, um, which I was a lot more comfortable with. Sports is very much my thing. Um, you know, just being physically active is my thing. It's what I went to, I you know, got my degree in exercise science, even though I actually said, and so crazy. Um, I remember talking to my advisor and she asked if I would be willing to take the PE praxis. And I looked her in the face and said, I will never be a PE teacher. Ooh. And yet that's what I did for the past two years. <laughs> the word never. Was. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I taught middle school and high school, um, the high school being more, um, fitness and wellness based instead of just kind of like sports games and activities. They, I actually got to go into nutrition and physical activity, different types of physical activity where they got to experiment with weight training, Tabata, um, as well as, uh, oh gosh, um, just yoga, Pilates, dance style, just every kind of fitness out there that they got to experiment with and find out what it is that they actually liked to do. So, um, which is what I love to do. It's what I wanted to do personally. Um, even though not really designed towards kids, <laughs> but, uh, helping people find the things that they love to do in order to keep themselves healthy. So, okay. Now yeah. this is still in China that you're doing this. Yes. And yes, about what halfway through last year you, yeah. when, well, <laughs> I guess March when it, but it affected you guys before it affected us. It affected here. Yeah, it affected us back in January. So we got back from Christmas break. And, um, you know, you have to understand that over there, we don't get as much media outlet. Um, yes, we do have things like WeChat is a big thing in China. Um, Facebook, not so much. Instagram, not so much. Um, but, you know, everything we get is comes through. Um, different media outlets. And so people don't really watch the news so much. I know we never really watched the news when we were out there, which I know sounds completely horrible now, but <laughs> I remember a lot of, you know, my family members and friends were talking about this virus breaking out in China. And I was like, well, seeing as to how our school hasn't really talked about it that much, I don't think it's that big of a deal, which that only lasted for about two weeks. And then I was like, okay guys, it's a little bit bigger deal than yeah. we thought. So we had only been back in January for about three weeks. And then we were supposed to go on, um, break for Chinese new year and Chinese new year only lasted about like a week to a week and a half. And that quickly turned into four months of oh, wow. no school. Yeah. So, and yeah, everything shut down really quickly. Um, everything just changed literally 
on the drop of a dime. Uh, we did not plan on leaving. We planned on kind of writing it out. But after being told this break is going to last longer, that was when my husband and I made the decision of, well, with everything shutting down and we have a small apartment with a three-year-old, um, we need to maybe find somewhere where we can actually go out and take her. So we left China back in January for Cambodia. And we basically lived in Cambodia for four months. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. wow. Okay. Well, I yeah. wanted to join you because Cambodia looked awesome. So it is. That's crazy. It's amazing. It yeah, kind of got a little bit of a community. Kind of got a little bit of a community with with the people yes. that were there. What was that like? I mean, you are a girl from Alabama. And it's, I know it's, it's just so out of what <laughs> I can picture in my head as your element. Oh my gosh. I, I honestly, I, and I don't know if it's from literally picking up and moving to another country. And I don't want to say being forced to find new friends, but yeah, kind of but like, you know, you can either sit in your house and just wallow in self-pity or you can go out and meet people. And so, um, yeah, but being in Cambodia and we all just kind of started bonding because we were all in the same boat. Literally, we were all scuba diving one day. Yeah. So <laughs> that's kind of, that's how we met. We were all scuba diving. And, uh, and even though we were from all over the world, you know, we had friends from England, we had friends from Germany, and then like we were the only Americans. And, but we all had the same situation. Like we couldn't get back to our countries. We couldn't get to the countries we needed to for our next work positions and, uh, or I guess workplaces for some of them. Um, so we were told at one point, you know, you just have to stay here. And I don't know if I think it was, well, I feel like it was just the fact that it was all like, there's 50 people on this Island. We don't have anybody else to talk to but each other. <laughs> yeah. um, or at least that's what I told Matthew. I was like, yeah, this was kind of a forced friendship. We didn't have anybody else to socialize with. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, they were great. And it was so, it's crazy to think of, all the people I've met and where all they live and how I still talk to them and communicate with them and keep up with them. Um, yeah. so, but yeah, I, I just think it's because we were all in the same situation, all going through the same things. We all had the same frustrations and the same heartache and the same disappointments. And we just kind of, we just kind of all bonded. Yeah. So, so kind of a little insight on humanity there of, um, mm -hmm. you know, here you are and, what you make of it so oh yeah all right so then you guys what took you to china in the first place so originally when matthew and i got married um you know we were very young we have both just graduated well i graduated college he finished his associates and uh we kind of sat down one day and started talking about how we really wanted to travel and go ahead and see the world. So we got rid of everything. Uh, we quit our jobs. We um, sold some of our stuff and the rest we threw away into storage. And then we picked up and went to China because at the time Matthew's parents uh, were working in Chengdu. Um, 
and we were going to stay with them for a little bit and then kind of start breaking off and seeing the rest of Asia and then hopefully blending in, going to Europe. And so we had these big world travel, like world travel plans. We weren't in, we weren't there for very long. Actually, we were only, um, we were in Cambodia actually, uh, at this point. Um, and we had only been out for about two weeks and I found out I was pregnant with my first daughter, Olivia. And I looked at Matthew and I was like, so yeah, I think we have to like get real jobs now. (laughs) 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 Uh, So kind of derailed our travel plans a little bit. We still got to go all over China and see everything that we wanted to see um, at the time. But originally it was just to travel. And when I was talking about how I was going to have to go home find a job and we were going to have to find a place to live. That was when, um, the director, uh, my father-in-law at the time mentioned to my, to his director that, uh, I had a degree in education. They had already had me working as a substitute teacher and, and everything. Um, and he asked if I would be willing to accept a job. Um, which I was a mixture of hesitant, but also kind of excited about because, you know, sounds really weird to say, but it was my first big girl job out of yeah. college. And so of course I was like, yeah. And then I was like, did I really just accept a job in, in China? Yeah. Um, but that's kind of pretty much how it happened. They were like, well, you guys need a job, right? So here's what we're willing to offer you. And it just it worked for us at yeah. the time, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of how we, how we ended out there. Okay. Now you're teaching, um, you're subbing, but you don't speak Chinese. And then, you know, so I know that your role is, is to speak English and, and yes, and be a part of that. But is it intimidating to have so much going on around you that you don't understand? Oh, it is, it was very overwhelming, I would say, um, my first few months out there, um, because I did, I didn't understand anything. I understood a couple words here and there. Um, so I did understand when people were talking about me because there's a certain word that they use like Laowe, which means Western person. And I did, I'd look around, I'd be like, oh, well, I'm the only Western person in this elevator. So they're definitely talking about me. (laughs) Um, Oh my goodness. (laughs) But uh, yeah, it was very, it was extremely overwhelming my first few months. Um, And then even at the school that I worked at, I worked at an international school where we had students that were from all over the world. We had, you know, not just Chinese students, but we had some Korean students. We had um, some European students. Uh, I know we had one from Czech Republic at one point. Um, And we had a few Canadians as well, but uh, French Canadians, but that only spoke French. Um, And yeah, so it was, 
it was a little weird because standing in a classroom where you're the only English speaker and they're only really able to say certain things like my name is I'm from and then like for instance I had one student that was French Canadian and so he introduces himself and says he's from Canada I'm like oh what part of Canada and he literally was like um I'm from Canada because I was the only thing he knew how to say yeah. in English. So it was, it was a struggle. Um, so yeah. <laughs> so what did you, uh, you learn about yourself in that? As far as being surrounded by other languages that I didn't understand. Um, I very much had to, I had to learn to be patient I had to learn to be understanding, which, um, me as a person, I'm not a patient person at all. Um, but also realizing that they are doing the best that they can. So I did discover that I can be patient, um, and that I can be understanding. Um, and especially with the fact that, uh, you know, I was already doing a job that I said in college, I was never going to do. I was working with an age group I said I never wanted to work with. <laughs> and I, I discovered I can actually teach children. Um, I really hope if they ever hear this that they would be like, yeah, she's a great teacher. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah uh, she had it right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah she's she good. <laughs> but um, I, did, I did discover a few things that, yeah, not only can I – learn to be patient and understanding, but that I can surprisingly work with younger kids that I swore up and down. I would never and could never work with. Um, so I, I discovered a few new things about myself, I would say. Um, and then as well as learning to be really slow to anger, especially with not just with them learning English, but with me trying to learn oh, yeah. Chinese Both sides. because it's, it's such a hard language. And there were times when I thought I was saying it perfectly and someone would look at me and be like, but I, it, and I'm just like, how do you not? And I'm like, you know what? It's okay. Just take a deep breath. Try again. <laughs> Maybe great. use a different you know, tone. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, well, yeah. So what would you say from all of that? What, what's your favorite, uh, memory, best, um, experience, um, during that, during that time period? Honestly, uh, I have a, I have a few, um, in my personal life, uh, meeting, all the people that I met and all, made all the friends that are, you know, from all over the world. And we all taught at the same school and how we all just kind of made our own little community. Um, you know, being in another country, uh, especially around like the holidays. Um, and like, for instance, Thanksgiving was like a huge thing for my family. Um, and just getting together, spend time together. Um, just out and out being thankful for everything that we have. And yet I was going to have my first Thanksgiving without them. And, you know, the past four years, Thanksgiving without my family. 
but we had created such a tight knit community that they were like family to us. And we all were able to do things like get together and have our own Thanksgiving um, holiday, which wasn't just the American um, Mm. people, but we also had like our Chinese friends come in. We had our European friends come in and whatnot. So it was just, um, you know, actually, actually having that family like feel, um, two of my, two of my coworkers who were a little bit older than me and they had kids that were my age, but no grandkids. They kind of called themselves Olivia's step and grandmothers. Um, so, you know, we had like, we had these people there that loved and cared about us so much to be the family that we missed. Um, And then as far as my professional career, you know, I got to do what I loved and that was coach sports, teach kids how to be physically active and healthy. And, you know, um, I mean, you know me, I was a basketball player growing up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So relentless on that court. (laughs) And I did, I was like, I'm going to coach basketball while I'm out here. And uh, I will say I had one year when um, I taught middle school basketball girls and we ha- it was my first year as the PE teacher. Um, it was my second year teaching or my second year coaching the middle school team. So they were a little familiar with me at least, but we had an undefeated season and we went in and ended up winning first overall in the championship um, in our league. Oh. And just being able to like, teach what I love and get these, get these girls to also fall in love with this sport as well. Um, and show them that they too can like, that they can do this and that they are champions. And yeah, just, that was honestly probably in my professional career. One of the, one of the biggest highlights was getting to share the love of the game with, with these students and have them fall in love with it and then want to come back. And, you know, some of them, you know, even were like, I want you to coach me next year. And yeah, so that was, that was probably one of the biggest highlights was, yeah, sharing the, sharing the sport that I love, but also getting them to realize that my passion, I'm not just crazy. I am just passionate. (laughs) (laughs) And Um, you can turn them into that too. That's pretty good. Yes, exactly. So (laughs) Well, that's great. Okay, so you um, now, Matthew. What's he doing at this time in, in your career of going into the teaching? And what did he find to do in this strange and different country? Yeah. So our first two years, um, well, uh, three technically. Our first year when I was a substitute teacher, pregnant with Olivia, he was also a part-time teacher. He was a teaching assistant. Um, so he would go in for, I think also at the time it was the 10 year old grade level. So it was the fourth grade level. Um, and, uh, it was kind of crazy because he was the teaching assistant to a woman who actually taught him back in California. Um, when he was growing up. So yeah, she, she came out to Chengdu the same year that we did. And I was like, well, how do you know her? And Matthew was like, she was my teacher. (laughs) That's crazy. Um, 
So yeah, he actually got to work with his um, old middle school PE teacher for a while. Um, and then after I had Olivia and we went back out to China, um, he stayed at home for the first two years with Olivia. Um, they didn't have any kind of childcare, daycare for anything young, anything, anyone younger than okay. two and a half. Yeah. yeah. Anything younger than two and a half. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, so he stayed at home for two years with our daughter while I worked. Um, but he also was able to finish his bachelor's. Um, and then he even got, uh, some tutoring gigs after school, um, which he did really well as a, as an after school tutor. Um, and it worked for our schedules too, because, oh yeah, I mean, we didn't see that much of each other, unfortunately, our first couple years. Um, but it was convenient that, you know, we never really needed to hire a babysitter in between yeah. anything. We just switched places. So yeah. yeah. And then, well, his, the last year that we were out there, he actually, Olivia started preschool and he got a job, uh, working for a basketball company, um, that's based out of Canada and, but they have camps called five star all over Asia. Um, I think all over China specifically. And he started working for them and he loved it. He, he played basketball all day long, which, <laughs> you know, what a dream that was, I think. Well, I think that was one of the things that I think at one point I was jealous of. I was like, you just get to play basketball all the time. Yeah, you're not working. You're just playing ball. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's funny. So, yeah, that's that was what he did the last year that we were out there. Yeah. So is it really hard to come back? Okay, you're, you're back now. Are you back permanently? Or are you back in the States temporarily? What's, what's the plan? Yeah, we are, we are back permanently. Um, so with this pandemic and everything going on, um, not being able to get back out to China right now. Um, and then a lot of, a lot of parents are very scared. And so we lost a lot of numbers at our school, um, specifically in our middle school and high school department, which is the department that I work in. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, that led to downsizing. So, um, yeah, so I was, I was let go, um, due to just, there really wasn't anything for me to teach. Yeah. Um, yeah. No students, and no on top teaching. of, yeah. So, and on top of not being there, um, and then kind of the same thing with Matthew as well, um, because we were out of the country and with him being an African for school program and yet we don't even know if school is going to happen and if school does happen there's also really strict rules and laws on who can come in who can do anything you know we didn't even know if they would even allow the program to come back to to these schools so um yeah kind of the same thing so we were both both kind of let go um uh, which we were mixed emotions about we, we, we did love our jobs. Um, we did love what we did and, you know, we adored our students and our little community and family that we had out there. Um, but it did bring us back to Montgomery, Alabama and, um, 
where we, where we are, where we are for now and possibly for, we don't know how much longer, but yeah. we, yeah. we do know we are stateside for now on. Yeah. Well, I know that there's a family that's probably pretty happy about that, but, um, Oh, most definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so would you encourage somebody to, to go for that kind of dream? I mean, that, that is like, when you say grow up and go for your dreams, you just did. And maybe not even dreams yeah. that you knew you had. What would mm -hmm. you say to somebody who's, who's at a pivotal moment? Um, especially a young girl. I would, yeah, I would definitely say like, don't be scared to do it. Like I was scared half to death to leave my home. The only home I've ever known, leave my friends, leave my family, pick up and just go to another country where I didn't really know anybody. I didn't know the language and I barely knew what I was doing. <laughs> But, um, just really kind of, you know, leaning into, leaning into that and, you know, I don't want to say embracing that fear, but also not letting it hold you back. Um, so, cause I, I will say, uh, especially in college, I had a lot of friends that made plans to eventually go overseas, eventually teach and do this and, they didn't know where they were going to go, but they knew that they were just going to go and they didn't. And, um, you know, and a lot of them were, it was, well, I don't know where I'm going to be. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I very much did that, um, on top of then finding out I was pregnant and having all those fears. Um, so yeah, I would strongly encourage, like, if you have something that you just, you just want to try it, you just want to just try it. And if you don't like it, you don't have to stay. Um, you know, at least, you know, sounds weird to compare it to. It's how I feel about my food. I'll try it one time. And if I don't like it, I won't eat it again. But, um, hey, it's as simple as but, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I just, I encourage any and every kind of, you know, any kind of adventure that you, you think you might want to have, or just that small, um, I don't know the word that I'm trying to go for, <laughs> but yeah, if you have just that small dream, just, just go for it and try it. And, you know, don't be scared of the unknown because as long as you embrace it and you open yourself up and you allow yourself to, I guess, be vulnerable and allow people in and embrace a culture that you've never understood a day in your life before. Um, it does. It, it very much, um, I see things in a totally different light, um, than I guess how I was growing up. Um, but yeah, I've, I strongly encourage any and every, any and everybody who ever has had a dream to just go out and do it. Just don't be afraid of it. And if you fail, that's okay. And we learn from our failures just as well. Sometimes I was listening to something earlier yep. today and it talked about um, if we don't have some epic fails, then we don't have room for the epic success. Mm -hmm. You're involved in that yes. other thing that didn't fail. So you miss what came next. What kind of values and, and family roots did you have that 
kind of helped launch you into who you are today? Or have you had to take some of those apart and kind of revamp them to who Hannah is today? Or um, how does that kind of play into to your life? Growing up, my family, we've always just been family oriented. Um, we've always, we love talking to each other every day. Um, and, uh, and we still do. Um, we have a family tree, uh, group message. Um, and it is, it's just, we always know what everybody is doing in our family and whatnot. And, uh, so, you know, there's, there's no surprises or anything. Um, but just, just staying in constant communication, uh, with my family was just a huge thing. And that was something that I know I, I, I told my husband I wanted to do was even when, you know, our kids grow up and they get older, I want them to understand that, you know, you can always talk to us um, about anything, about everything, even if it's something as little as like, I have a test coming up, like, okay, well, you know, as silly as you might think that is, you know, those, these were things that I talked about to my to my family. Um, so just always keeping an open wave of of communication. Um, and then as well as just being loving and understanding of each other, you know, I've got three other siblings and we are all in different places in life and we are all, we are all over the country now. (laughs) Um, you know, we were all over the world, but it was, it's just, it's being understanding that, you know, we might, not always see eye to eye, but we at least understand and we respect each other um, for it. And, you know, we might not always agree with each other, but at the end of the day, we still love each other. So, um, you know, yeah, just, I guess, always, always being understanding and respectful of each other's decisions and just where, where your family is in life. And I mean, I think personally, that's just kind of how it makes the family even stronger how it makes our bond so much stronger too so um, yeah and we're pretty blessed in the communications that we have now you can be all over the world mm -hmm. and and stay relatively in touch you might have to change your mode of communication but um, yeah (laughs) yeah my family actually they all downloaded wechat when i was in china um so that we could talk and uh so that was, that was nice um, because Facebook messenger didn't always work. Um, Instagram never worked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, uh, yeah. So it was, it was what, nice are you, what are some of the that. things that you think we take for granted that, um, that you realized pretty quickly that, that we as Americans might take for granted, you know, over there, um, the family dynamic is very interesting um, in the fact of how, at least how it's always kind of been viewed by me is, um, you know, when you get married and you have kids and then the grandparents actually move in to stay with you for however long. Um, and they help out with the house uh, with, household chores. They help out with the grandchildren, um, so that, you know, dad doesn't have to miss work. Mom can return to work, um, you know, if she wants to, but mom also, you know, is still expected to, you know, 
be the caretaker as well. Um, but I don't think a day went by when I didn't see like grandparents with the grandkids. Um, you know, and we saw, I mean, we would see mom and we'd, and, and dad with them, but grandparents didn't miss anything either. Um, so, and I think I do, I think for, for us, we do sometimes tend to take family for granted. Um, we do tend to kind of, you know, be in our own places, I guess is one way to put it. And so it's just like, you know, you need to be understanding that this is just where we are. But, uh, whereas to over there, family moved in with each other. Um, and they helped each other out because they were always just right there. Um, so that was one of, that was one of the things that I saw almost daily, um, over there that I do think a lot of people tend to take for granted. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so did, did it have any kind of effect? I mean, as sometimes here we are pretty equal in our roles with husband and wife did it have any kind of impact where Matthew was pitching in and it was kind of looked at like whoa you're doing some work that Hannah ought to be doing I mean is that I mean you might not have had a relationship that would have said that to you but did you feel that sometimes we we felt that a lot actually because you know um like I said our our first our first two years out there where I was working full time, he Mm -hmm. stayed at home with our daughter. So he was the caretaker. He cleaned the house. He learned to cook. So, (laughs) cause I told him, I was like, if you're going to be at home, you have to learn to cook. Um, but he did, he picked, we, we very much, I guess the grammatically correct term, terminology would be we very gender role reversed um where I was the one working and he was the one taking care of the house and our daughter and getting her ready for preschool as far as like trying to work with her on reading and um potty training and walking talking all all those things um you know, and, and we did, we, we got, we got a few, um, oh, that's just weird from our friends here in the States, um, over there, uh, kind of the same thing. It is a very similar dynamic as far as, you know, the husband works, the wife takes care of the kids in the house. Um, so, uh, a lot of my students called my husband, Mr. Mama, because of what he did, which, you know, my husband has a sense of humor. He just thought it was, he played into it. He thought it was funny. Um, but yeah, we, we did get a lot of, you know, that's just kind of weird. And we're like, yeah, but it's, it's what works for us. Right. So, um, yeah, we, we actually got that a lot more. We got that a lot more than I thought we would. Um, I don't know. (laughs) I can remember and I can't even remember what country it was but we were dealing with um, um, electric cooperatives and we had some internationals come and like I said I can't remember the country but I remember handing Tom one of the babies as he liked walked by and the horror that came across these men's faces was like he just handed him a baby 
It's like I'd handed him something oh, that yes. was going to blow up, which, you know, it could have, but, um, <laughs> but it was just because that would not be okay in their culture at all. And they actually, by the end of the night, we had gotten so comfortable that they told us, you know, that one, the children wouldn't be in there at all. And then two, for me to be handing one off was even a double whammy in their yeah. evening so um yes so there are cultural differences so olivia now was born in china so come in the first time she came home was now or did y'all come she was uh she was actually born in america we did oh, come okay. home yeah just because um you know not going into it too much but things are done things are done differently as far yeah, as i was wondering about there. that um, you know, I did have a Chinese doctor, um, uh, for the first few months that I was out there and she was, and she was great, but, um, going over, you know, birthing plans and whatnot. Um, I was a little like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to do this here. And then not only that, but then you go into all the documentation. Of, oh yeah. Uh, you're an American who's technically only here um temporarily but then you have you know a baby in a country and then you know which would have been kind of cool because i guess she would have she would have technically had dual citizenship if we had done that but yeah. at the same time we had a lot of friends that we worked with that had done that and they were just like it's more of a headache trying to get them into uh all the documentation for dual citizenship but um yeah we actually came home and she was only in America for the first three months of her life. And then we went back out to China. Oh, wow. Um, and, uh, yeah. So hard one she was only in America for about three months. <laughs> oh. oh, gosh. It was, uh, it was, it was difficult, you know, for, it was, everyone was, you know, and, and I understood, I, I very much understood. Um, but, you know, we tried to come home every six months we tried to come home for Christmas and then we would come home for the summer, which still, you know, she spent more time in China than she yeah. did in her own country. Yeah. Um, so it's, <laughs> um, we do, we jokingly say, yeah. Uh, my grandfather actually calls Olivia, his little China doll. Yeah. Um, you know, cause yeah. So yeah. just, because of how how long she was out there yeah. so so what's it been like for her to um become accustomed to being here because i mean food's different how you eat is different how you everything is different so has that yeah, been an adjustment um, it actually has been one of the easiest things um which i was surprised with um so and I don't know if this is because we traveled so much and she was so diverse in yeah. her eating. Um, I had international students whose parents would, you know, they would make us food just to say thank you for teaching my child. And so I'd go home with all these like traditional Chinese dishes. I had a couple traditional Indian dishes um, Korean dishes. And so she just she has had this no diverse idea palette. <laughs> she, yeah, I think actually, if anything, I was more nervous for her trying cheeseburgers and chicken nuggets for the first time <laughs> because everyone's like, oh yeah, well, 
she's three. She'll eat a hot dog. I was like, I don't know if she'll eat a hot dog. She's yeah. never had a hot dog before. Yeah. Um, but she, she also, that was actually a lot easier than I thought too. Even yeah. though she had never had chicken nuggets before. She had never had a hot dog before. She had never had French fries before. Yeah. Um, you know, but, uh, she, she doesn't turn down food and she eats anything and everything. Um, she does still love rice and yeah. noodles. Um, and, uh, but yeah, she just kind of has this big diverse palate when it comes to her food. Um, yeah. but as far as everything else, um, I think, uh, I think the languages have kind of thrown her for a loop. Because we went from being in a country where she only heard English at home or if we were hanging out with friends. Um, and then any other time she heard Chinese. Um, when she was in preschool, she was in the Chinese preschool because she wasn't old enough for the international preschool yet. So she was the only English speaker in her class. Um, wow. Everybody else spoke Chinese. And even though the teachers would, the teachers would teach in English, but you know, they're also three years old um, and they don't speak any English at home. So she was hearing Chinese and English all day long. And then uh, when we were in Cambodia, there was a lot more of an English presence where we were. Um, and on top of making the friends that we, that we made that all spoke English, um, as a second language very well. Um, and, uh, so we kind of had a little bit, um, of a regression in her speech. She went from babbling and talking a lot and you would hear a couple English words, a couple Chinese words to when we were in Cambodia, she wasn't talking at all. Um, and she would kind of, she would kind of, I don't know if it's because she was very confused because she didn't know what language she was supposed to, well, at the time we thought maybe she was, you know, um, bilingually confused. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's, it's been more of a struggle, um, getting her to speak, um, more than anything else. Um, you know, we just enrolled her into gymnastics and she seems to be taking to it very well. Um, we don't have her in a preschool program yet, um, even though we were really hoping to because she was doing so well when she was in preschool, um, just getting her ready and everything. Um, but she, I, I'm a little shocked at how well she's adjusted to the new normal for us yeah. now. That's impressive. Um, but, you know. And yeah. maybe with gymnastics, I mean, you're not having to talk so much and you're not, I mean, it's an activity that she's very active and, yes. and you can engage in that and it not mm -hmm. tax your brain as much as, as yes. maybe conversing does. So um, with, with all of that, though, I can just feel I wouldn't want my child to lose that. And so how do you, mm -hmm. is that important to you or, or have you thought about that? Or, I mean, that's just such an opportunity that I didn't give mine. And sometimes I have that regret. Mm -hmm. I, um, I definitely, you know, 
Matthew and I had talked about this. Uh, you know, we, of course, we came back a lot sooner than we planned. Right. Um, but we actually kind of liked the idea of being in another country, having her experience the different cultures and understanding and respecting that, you know, we are not the same, but we can, you know, we can reach a place of respect and understanding of each other. Um, as well as, you know, I was just like, it would be really cool if I had a kid who's five years old and already speaking Chinese and English, mm -hmm. you know, fluently. Um, so, um, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely something that I don't, I don't want her to lose. I don't want her to forget about it right now. We are kind of having to, um, take a little bit of a step back. Um, because like I said, with her speech, it has regressed so much. So we are trying to get her to start talking again, which eventually I do want her to, um, continue learning Chinese. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of want to keep continuing learning it uh, as well. Uh, I feel like I'm not very good at it and I do get, it was a little bit of a letdown that I didn't get as good as I wanted to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, having her, having her just learn those skills and everything that she had, um, readily available to her over there. Yeah. That's definitely something that I, I kind of wish we could have kept doing for her. Um, yeah. just to, just for her sake. So, well, and you don't know what's going to come. I mean, we all kind of got a little shaken by pandemic and aren't out of that yet. So it's kind of, oh, yes, make, you can make all the lovely plans you want yeah. and they get kind of uprooted. <laughs> so, um, all right. Yeah. How, how do you balance everything? I mean, you're, you're on the go, you're, you're, um, career oriented you're very driven mm -hmm. got mom have another one on the way how do you yeah <laughs> how do you balance and i know that's different today than it was you know six months ago but yeah um i know you know six months ago when i was working full-time and uh you know my husband and i were both working full-time uh, I will say I did have, you know, I, and I will admit I did have moments of, you know, I just didn't want to continue working or doing whatever I was doing because I would be gone Monday through Friday, sometimes on Saturdays, depending if we had sports going on. So I felt like I was missing a lot of, I was missing a lot of my family, but I would then also go straight from work to mom because Matthew worked after hours. Um, so I missed my husband a lot, but it was just, I was nonstop go from seven forty-five until eight o'clock at night because that's about the time when Olivia would finally go to sleep. And, um, you know, I got burnt out, um, at one point, but sitting down and one of the biggest things was talking to my husband about this. Um, you know, he had, a lot more of a break than I did because he would be home throughout the day. His job didn't start until like three, three thirty in the afternoon. Um, so he had timed himself and really expressing how I felt to him and what, how I was feeling about everything, being overwhelmed, being stressed and reaching a point to where 
I just mentally was like, I can't do this anymore. Um, expressing that to him and coming up kind of with a game plan for us. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the things I do struggle with is planning and organize and organization. (laughs) I'm not very good when it comes to it, but you know, one of the greatest things about my husband is he is a planner and he is while maybe still not as organized as either one of us should be a lot more organized than I am. But being able to sit down and come up with a plan so that I could have like an evening to myself and just time to kind of unwind and maybe not something that I did all that often. Um, but just taking that time for myself and just really kind of focusing on making sure I'm okay and that I don't reach this point of breaking like I, like I was at one point. Um, so that kind of very much helped me balance that a lot was just taking time to myself, not being afraid to take that time to myself. That's one of the things I think a lot of moms and dads do is they feel like they're being selfish if they ask for that time. Um, I very much promote self-care. I promoted it to my high schoolers even. Yeah. <laughs> though they were like, translated. well, yeah. And just telling them like, you know, guys, I understand I was in high school at one point too. Like, I mean, I know y'all think it was decades ago, but, um, you know, trying to really, I, I promote self-care a lot because it does, it helps you clear your mind. It helps you put things into perspective and it helps you to, um, come down from whatever it is that's just got you to that breaking point or almost to that breaking point. So, um, yeah, one of my biggest things to just kind of help me stay sane and help me balance all this, everything out between working and mommying and trying to keep going forward is just taking that time to take care of myself as well. Um, which I think some people might say seems almost impossible, but it is doable. but yeah, um, communicating that to my, to my husband and we both do it. Um, we both have our self-care time. Um, rather it's like, he's like, I just want two hours of video games. And I'm like, you can have two hours of video games (laughs) if that's what you want to do. And whereas you, I'll be like, I just want to go to dinner by myself. And he's like, okay, go to dinner by yourself. So just, just even little things like that, you know, rather it's five minutes or rather it's, a couple hours, just take that time to help you keep yourself in check and keep yourself balanced out. Well, it's good for balance. It's good too. I mean, that's good for the marriage. That's some communication skills. So how did you, how did you wind up being able to get there? Was that just something through your dating world, through your getting married? Did y'all, did you just know you needed to communicate? Was that kind of patterned out from your parents or did you just, how did you know that that was a conversation that you didn't need to be afraid to have? Yeah, we, uh, we actually, um, we, when we got married, well, hmm, I kind of, before we got married. Um, so just a tiny bit of background, you know, my husband is Catholic 
and I'm Baptist. So um, one of the things uh, that we did before we got married was going through the Catholic Church. Um, we did marriage counseling through the Catholic Church um, as a as a requirement. Um, and one of the things that they that they wanted us to do was we had to do like this uh, engaged weekend getaway where we left and stayed for a weekend with a lot of other engaged couples. Um, we were actually married at the time because we kind of took a little too long going through our counseling, <laughs> but, um, you were slow that, yeah. <laughs> we were, we were very, we were very, because, it, and it was, it was that weekend was one of the best things for us, I think. Um, because we learned a lot while we were there. And one of the things that they had us do on this getaway was they, they forced us to have difficult conversations. Um, so they, they would give us a topic. We would take about 20 minutes to ourselves and we would write out everything that we wanted to say. And then after we were done writing out everything we want to say, we would go to our our, our significant other and we would swap letters. So he read everything that I wanted to say and I read everything he wanted to say. And it really helped us to understand where the other person was at and what they were feeling. And some of these things that, you know, I said, I felt he did that. I kind of wished he wouldn't and vice versa. Um, Oh, we also discussed finances. We discussed raising children. We discussed, uh, you know, family roles and, um, you know, uh, break, like we discussed everything over this weekend. Um, but it started with, we would write letters to each other first and it would get us to where we could talk without one interrupting the other. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, we keep a very open line of communication a lot. And, uh, I don't want to say we never did, but we very much did a lot better with it after that. Um, just very much talking to each other because this, like I said, we had this getaway weekend that they forced us to have difficult conversations and it made me realize that I can go to him and I can talk to him about these things. And I don't have to be afraid because he has shown me many, many times he's understanding of these um, and vice versa. Like he can always, he can always come and talk to me about these things and I will sit and I will listen and be understanding as well. So um, yeah, that was, I think one of the biggest things for us. And that's huge because that is yeah. something you can take forever and there are different issues that come up. It'd be really interesting to go back and look at when you talked about your roles to, did you mm. <laughs> lay the foundation for what you were launching into in China or did you go, oh, absolutely, we are going to be like this or that? Oh, we, at the time, China wasn't even a thought. Yeah. Um, it wasn't even a thing we were going to do, but it was a, you know, what do you want to do in the future? And, you know, I was, I was very much more career based. I was like, I want to go back to school and get my master's. I want to get these certifications. I want to eventually start working here and doing this. 
And, but he was, you know, he understood that I was very career oriented when we got married and he was more family oriented. He was more, I want to start, I want to start having kids. I want to start doing this. And, um, <laughs> it was just kind of funny. Cause I was like, what? <laughs> but then he also, he also was like, do you not want to have kids? I was like, no, I just have a lot of things I want to do first. Um, and I want to advance in these careers. Of course, you know, it all just went haywire <laughs> Yeah, but, and it didn't, but you've been able to both accomplish those things. I mean, I mean, the way that you've done we it. still, Oh yeah. We still have very much done the things that we, mm -hmm. uh, you know, set out that we wanted to do. Um, you know, we have a beautiful daughter and another beautiful daughter on the way. We, both got to work in the fields and in the careers that, um, that we wanted to work in. We got to do the things that we wanted to do by traveling the world and having those different experiences. Um, it all came at different times. Mm -hmm. I didn't think I would be almost 30 and just now going back to school, but also at the same time, understanding that, that that's just where I am. Um, I even remember asking him at one point because I have friends right now that are working on, um, that are working in doctrine programs and they're almost done. And I'm like, I haven't even started on my master's program yet. And asking him like, are you okay with this? Like, do you kind of wish we had done this? And he was just like, I don't care. You know, you said you wanted to do this. I don't care if you had done this four years ago or, or just that you're doing it now. He's like, you're doing it. And that's all I, that's all I really care about. So, um, it's been, it's been great. And that's, that's one of the biggest things too, that I also kind of, you know, promote and telling people, I'm like, you know what, it's okay if it takes you a while, like it's okay if you don't start your master's until you're almost 30. It's okay if you don't have a family right away or you don't get to travel and do these things like this, these things will happen eventually it might not happen how you originally planned but it will happen so yeah but the life experiences and i i can remember i, I oh, can't yeah. remember where i read it but um but you you either blogged or facebooked or something a lot of olivia moments and and things i mean just various things that happened in china and i i loved living your life vicariously so i mean it's there are so many things that you have done that give a richness oh, to yes. that education sometimes education's empty till you have something oh, yeah. to upload into it oh yeah um i i am so thankful that we got to have all the experiences and that you know our daughter got to have all the experiences and you know, she might not remember most of them or anything, but I do have all these pictures and these videos and, you know, all these things that very well descriptive that told her like, you know, yeah, you climbed around, um, in, or in the temples of Cambodia and you got to swim in the waters of Korong Samlan. You got to climb the great wall of China at one point. So, uh, yeah, just, yeah, it's definitely one of those that while it wasn't 
originally part of the plan and it kind of took us on a detour. I'm so thankful that we got to do that. Yeah. So what's your biggest fear? Life fear. It sounds, uh, sounds kind of ridiculous to say, I guess, but this has actually always kind of been a fear from the very get go of mine and Matthew's marriage, um, was that there would come a time when I would have to do this alone. Um, and I don't mean that as in like, you know, he would leave me, but you know, my husband works as a paramedic and he's been in dangerous situations before and, um, dealt with, uh, dangerous scenarios. And I told him, you know, very early on, um, I had a hard time sleeping at night because I was afraid I would wake up the next morning and I would have news that he's not here anymore. So <laughs> my biggest fear is being without him. Um, you know, sorry, a little emotional for me, <laughs> but, yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, I told him, I told him from the get go, I said, that is just my biggest fear that, and it might not even be something that you do at work. It might just be some random thing that's happened. Um, that's just been inevitable. Um, and I said, but that has always been a fear that one day I'll wake up and you won't be there. Um, so yeah. Uh, honestly that out of everything that I've been through and that I've experienced, like I lost my job. I lost my home. I've lost a lot of my belongings um, because of all of this. And it, while it's upsetting, I'm just like, I still have my family and I still have my husband. And, you know, just thinking that I could have lost a lot worse. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's huge. And at the same time, it's the, but to have experienced and to have loved so deeply mm -hmm. is worth embracing that fear, you oh know, my of, gosh, yes. <laughs> not acting. And it sounds to me like you've got a thread that goes through your life of you might have a fear or you might have a uh, kind of angst moment, but you go for it. And there yeah. are no stones left unturned. Oh no, I I very much am again, I encourage anybody who's just like, oh, I don't know if I should, and I'm like, just do it. <laughs> and if it doesn't work out, you don't have to do it again or <laughs> anything. Yeah. It's okay. Um, so yeah, just but just really thinking about all these things that are superficial and you know, how if I were to lose it, it, it doesn't scare me that much, but it's, it's more of the, the one person that is my person. Yeah. Um, you know, he's just, he's my rock. I love him. I'm he so came glad. in the room and looked at me and was <laughs> like, so stop. <laughs> he just came in the room, looked at me and was like, stop crying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, it was worth crying over. It was one of those moments. Um, um, we have been all over the place in this, in this discussion, but is there anything that we haven't talked about that you want to make sure that you do make mention of? <sighs> um... I don't know. I think, yeah, kind of, 
you know, embrace those fears and just go after it. Take time for yourself. It's okay. <laughs> um, uh, just really, just really embracing everything that is so new to us. Um, we're back in a country that it sounds really weird to say that we're unfamiliar with, but we are, we were so used to how things were in China being back over here has been quite the experience. And while everything has kind of derailed for us and gone in so many different ways, also just learning to roll with the punches and just be okay with it. Um, and know that everything is going to be okay in the end. Um, you know, yeah, like I said, I lost my job. I lost my house. I've lost a lot of my belongings and everything. Um, but it's okay. I'm okay. My husband's okay. My child's okay. Um, you know, uh, getting back into our new normal, discovering new things that we can do, or even old things that we have remembered that we loved again. Um, but just in the end, no matter like what you're going through, it's all going to be okay. Um, we're all going to be okay. This pandemic sucks. <laughs> like, that it it does. does. But one day it's going to be okay. And, you know, maybe one day we'll all just kind of laugh at 2020. I don't know. <laughs> but that's true. <laughs> that laugh or laugh cry. Um, yeah. Um, all of the above. <laughs> well, I appreciate you taking time. I have one more question for you. If you right. had a superpower and you had it for 24 hours, you could use it professionally, personally. What would that superpower be? And how oh, would goodness. you use it? Ah, so funny that you asked this because I think Matthew and I have had this conversation a lot. <laughs> Actually, I think we've had this argument a lot. <laughs> like, what's the better superpower? Um, so... I know my, I know my husband's answer is teleportation. Like just, and he's like, think about it. How frustrated do you get like carrying groceries in from the car? And I'm just like, that's not what I want to use my teleportation to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds weird to say, but I'm kind of might agree with my husband on the teleportation just so I can go back to these places that I miss just for, even if it's just to be like, okay, it's still the same. And then, you know, jump to the next. Um, you know, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, a 14 hour flight was very difficult. So yeah, it would be nice to just kind of snap just, and be there. There, there you go. <laughs> See, we yeah. solved a, a marital <laughs> argument right here today. There we go. On this podcast. And now I'm going to go in the other room and he's going to look at me and be like, told you it's the best. <laughs> there you go. All right. I do have one like, more question. Right. I, I've been looking at your hand. And, um, and so tell me about the tattoo on your ring finger. Yeah. So this is the tattoo that my husband and I got on our honeymoon, um, out in Lake Tahoe. Uh, we said, even as we were planning our wedding and honeymoon and all that stuff, um, that we wanted to get matching ring finger tattoos. Um, and, uh, a lot of people, you know, they put the initials on and we just wanted something not just, you know, I didn't just want that his name on my finger 
and vice versa, but we wanted something that was very meaningful to us. And this is actually the Celtic sign for uh, the Trinity. So it's, you know, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, which is, you know, what we base, um, you know, we're very, we're very Christian oriented. Um, uh, we, in anything and in everything, we pray about all these, all these things. And um, so just our foundation always being in Christ. Um, so we have this, this Trinity tattoo on our ring fingers because it is the foundation of our marriage. Um, it is what we root ourselves in. So, yeah. Um, but we got the, we got these on our honeymoon. Um, I didn't cry. My husband did. So (laughs) (laughs) I would, that's like tender little skin there. Well, that's great. I want that documented. (laughs) Hey, I'm not going to cut that out. That's in there. In there for posterity. Um, but that's, that's pretty cool. Um, I mean, Hannah, that's something that, again, you're, you're very thoughtful, meticulous in, in things that come together and, um, and there's a reason for, for what you do and what you're, um, pretty, I mean, a ring tattoo is pretty committed. So Mm -hmm. it, um, and then to be able to talk about it in such a strong way. I like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, thank you. It's been a joy and a privilege to have this conversation. Thank you for having me. Find Stacked Keys Podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes, or anywhere you get your favorite podcast listen. You'll laugh out loud, you'll cry a little, you'll find yourself encouraged. Join us for casual conversation that leads itself based on where we take it from family to philosophy to work to meal prep to beautifully surviving life. And hey, if I could ask a big favor of you, go to iTunes and give us a five rating. The more people who rate us, the more we get this podcast out there. Thanks. I appreciate it. Oh.